If you're struggling with your health and you've tried everything without success, then this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show is for you. Welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, where each week you will hear the real-world experiences, life lessons, and guided principles that every highly driven man needs to master, their health, productivity, and relationships by sharing conversations with the world's most successful people in fitness, nutrition, supplementation, and mindset. Meet your host, Benjamin Brown. He is a fitness and nutrition expert, consultant to Fortune 500 companies and world championship sports teams, a husband and father of three, and has been helping men transform their physiques, optimize their energy, and own their fatherly mission since 2005. Thank you for joining us today. And without further ado, let's jump right in. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 53 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Today on the show, we bring back Dr. Garrett Smith. Dr. Garrett Smith is a naturopathic medical doctor who has been in practice for over 10 years. Prior to that, he worked in the fitness industry training high-end athletes for 12 years. His passion for nutrition stemmed from his work in the fitness field and finding the crucial aspects of nutrition within athletic performance. If you recall from our first interview, Dr. Garrett Smith is an expert in testing hair mineral analysis to identify vitamin and mineral deficiencies and imbalances. And in this conversation, we take it one step further to talk about vitamins that could potentially be toxic on the body, specifically vitamin A, how we get that vitamin A, why vitamin A might be detrimental, and how we can get rid of that vitamin A having to do with our food, our nutrition, our supplementation, and our lifestyle. You guys are going to love this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, and I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's just jump right in. Dr. Garrett Smith, welcome back to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. How are you doing, brother? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Heck yeah, dude. So you were on episode number nine of the show, and we jumped into your hair mineral analysis testing, which is kind of your niche. Um, you're a naturopathic doctor out of Tucson, and so for those of you listening, if you haven't if you're not familiar with hair mineral analysis testing and you haven't had a chance to lip, listen to episode number nine with Dr. Garrett Smith, please, uh, after you listen to this, jump back and, and have a listen to that one because there's some real clinical pearls in there with respect to, well, one, what is hair mineral analysis testing? And, and I'll have you just give us a quick synopsis. Uh, but, but secondly, just talking about mineral deficiencies and imbalances and how it affects our health, and it's, it goes a lot deeper than just conventional uh, blood labs. It goes a lot deeper than uh, functional medicine testing, which is so, so popular right now. And so I think you guys are going to find a lot of value in that. And with that, um, yeah, buddy, I'm excited to have you back on the show. What's been happening in your world? Oh, just uh, always evolving. Like people who follow me kind of start to see that I never stand still. A lot of, I figure when I stand still or when I'm not learning, I'll be dead. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> um, the, the hair analysis thing, I've evolved that and I've come to the, as I've, as I've gone further along in it, I've realized, like with any tool, like hair analysis is a tool, blood testing is a tool, um, even just asking people questions about how they feel when they do certain things is just another tool. So we can, I've been refining what hair analysis, hair mineral analysis is best used for. I've been refining where I need to use blood tests because 
as an example, in the hair analysis world, they talk a lot about if you go Googling hair analysis, hidden copper toxicity, there'll be all sorts of people on the internet talking about hidden copper toxicity on hair tests. And I finally came to the realization that why would they be talking about hidden copper toxicity if hair analysis was good at assessing copper, right? If it was good at it, there shouldn't be hidden copper toxicity. And so I realized that we have to look at looking at the blood test. And I, I came across some other people who had, who had forged a great path in that. And I sort of integrated that into my, into my approach and figuring out iron on the hair test is not as useful as we have to have multiple blood tests. So the more complicated the minerals, basically yeah, yeah. what I realized is minerals that have a bunch of binding proteins, you can't use the hair test on them. There's not a whole lot of them. The biggest ones are iron and copper and zinc. But when minerals have binding proteins, we got we to gotta look else. We can use the hair test a teeny bit, like a teeny bit, but we got to go elsewhere. So I've just been, the big thing that I've gotten into lately is, um, I mean, one of my biggest things was not taking vitamin D supplements or vitamin D by mouth because vitamin D at its root is a hormone. So when people are taking vitamin D by mouth, they are doing hormone therapy. Yeah, totally. And I think I think the last time I saw uh, Jim Stevenson, Stephenson, if you were spelling it, you know, phonetically, Jim Stephenson, he has a seco steroid vitamin D Facebook group, and he is he is the expert on basically the mistakes of people interpreting vitamin D tests. I mean, I think he talks about twenty three different metabolites of vitamin D in the body, and we measure one. One. Hey, Doc, would you be willing to take a step back for a second and just give us a really quick um, overview of the, <laughs> of the HTMA process and yeah, why yeah, yeah. it can be so valuable? Just sure. a quick rundown. Well, so for, for um, lay people or lay practitioners, I know the hair test got, the hair test is basically, it's a, it's a one and a half to two inch sample of hair. So what are we looking at? About five centimeters for those metric folks. Um, a little hair sample from the back of the head. I call it the mullet area. Perfect. <laughs> um, Perfect. And so we, we want the, the part of the hair closest to the head, and they're going to analyze that through um, liquid chromatography, HPLC, that kind of stuff, for the minerals contained within. Um, and so what we're getting is we're getting a picture of anywhere, but depending upon how fast somebody's hair grows, we're getting a picture of anywhere from the last three to six months of what I call the mineral flow in the body gotcha. and what it's really showing is so that the hair is built up from the blood and so i kind of liken it to the the blood when the blood is high in something the body will push out some of those minerals into the hair and we'll tend to see it higher now how that mineral got high in the blood is a whole nother matter it could be an excess coming in it could be like a loss pattern people right. could be losing a certain mineral due to stress or toxicity it could be you know kind of hormonally driven like i was just talking about with the vitamin d vitamin d will drastically raise calcium in the blood and we can see it in the hair so and then when things are low in the hair the example i always give people people will see in their hair often they'll see a very low potassium which is two things that vitamin d can cause supplements can cause and vitamin a toxicity can cause and I tell people, like, we, we don't have to put anything into the hair. People will say, well, how can my potassium be that low? Why am I not sick? Because your body doesn't have to put anything into the hair, right? Your body doesn't even have to make hair. Right. So we take, the, we take that, that thought pattern to the extreme, and we say your body doesn't have to make hair, so it definitely doesn't have to put 
potassium in the hair. I look at it as when things are very low on the hair test, oftentimes it means the body, the blood is, the blood is, the body tries to keep the blood very, very stable. And so if it doesn't have much to spare, if it's keeping the blood very stable just on the borderline, then it doesn't spare that mineral out to the hair. And so we can have low things in the hair while the blood can still look totally fine um, on certain minerals like the electrolytes, sodium, potassium, those things. It's a valid reason why someone potentially wouldn't want to rely too heavily on blood work to determine, say, nutritional deficiencies and rather look to something like hair mineral analysis because the body does such a good job of maintaining that balance in the blood. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So electrolytes, I mean, by the time you go to the doctor and you're seeing your sodium, magnesium, or sodium, potassium, chloride, these other things out of range on a blood test. I mean, by the time doctors usually see that, they're kind of getting a little excitable because that's not really supposed to be going on. Yeah, right. Um, so it's right. So then it's like, okay, now we've got, if there is something that's out of the conventional norms, we'll say, right, right. Then it's, it's a big problem. Yeah. It's, it's reached the point where it's like, okay, we've got a problem now and it's a, it's diagnostic worthy criteria. Right. The, the body has lost its compensation ability to, to keep that item in the range that it, the op, the range that it would like it to be functioning in. So, so, and I mean, but, but then again, we have blood tests that can be, if somebody just, it goes into a blood test quite dehydrated. Right. That can be throwing their, their electrolyte numbers higher than they would normally be because simply because I liken it to a soup and there's not enough water in the soup or the water has been boiled off. And so the soup becomes very, very concentrated. And let's say it becomes too salty because it doesn't have enough water. So blood tests for certain things that are very variable, especially like certain minerals, like commonly the electrolytes, not a great way to assess nutrition, especially nutrition over time. I mean, because mm -hmm. you could salt your food heavily every day for a week and go get a blood test. And then you could, let's say, restrict salt for a week and then get a blood test. And those numbers could be different. They may be totally the same. Whereas if we do a hair test over the three to six months of hair growth for certain minerals, we can get a much better picture. I liken it to uh, hair mineral analysis is kind of like looking at, it's like tree rings for a person. Yeah. We're looking at the very end of a branch. So, you know, we, we don't need to chop ourselves in half to look at the tree rings like we would with a tree. We can just look at the, the tree rings of a piece of hair that is like, like the very end of a branch is the way I liken it to. Yeah, um, absolutely. Makes sense to me. Yeah. And I, and just w what I've been figuring out is I'm, I'm always looking for the holes or the gaps in my knowledge, the, the, the weak links or where can I, where am I missing something? And that's where I think I've only added about in about six blood tests for, for where I am right now, I've filled in the gaps in the hair analysis. So it's, it's, it's cool. I've, I've, I always try to minimize the number of tests and, and the invasiveness of tests. Cause I mean, hair testing, one of the great things about it is right. It's just a hair sample. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people are very, <laughs> I don't want to give any of my hair. Oh my God. How can you ask me for that? And I'm like, well, it's, it's all, we're asking for a little bit of hair. You can do it or not. We had a funny story. We had one woman where we said, well, she said, well, I'm not going to cut any of my hair for you. And Julie was talking to her and she said, well, you could do <laughs> arm, armpit hair sample, which is not as good. 
But she said, you could do an armpit hair sample. And this one was like, I'm not going to let my armpit hair grow in to do an armpit hair sample. Then Julie said, well, you could do a pubic hair sample. And this is the best part. I'm not going to let my pubic hair grow in to do a sample. (laughs) (laughs) And we were like, what did you think you were signing up for when you signed up for a hair test? That's awesome. Need some hair from somewhere. I mean, I have guys who shave their head. Yeah. And and they want to they want to do it. And I say, well, we're gonna. Ha- I mean, to get enough, you're gonna have to let it grow out for like two to three weeks, which doesn't make it that long, right? But it's still it's more than some guys. You know, it might be showing certain hair patterns and other things that they don't really want exposed. Right. And then we just gotta we figure it out. But uh, the nice thing is, is everybody's got hair, and they can. And and this is what's actually kind of allowed me to kind of be, build an international clientele is because people can just mail once the hair is cut it doesn't degrade they can just mail it across the ocean and we can the lab and so i can i can help people in i mean I, i've i do have people in south africa and australia and new zealand and uk and czech republic and all that stuff so it's it's been it's been cool and i can tell you about nutrition patterns of those different places if you want to know like Europe oh, has cool. by far, Europe has the best quality in terms of nutrition in their food. And U.S. is quite a bit behind them, and Australia is the worst. Like, I can tell you just based on patterns I've seen on hair tests that there are, like, distinct patterns in terms of nutrients in these different places, which is kind of cool because I, I live for seeing patterns. That's why I got into this. It would be interesting to see, like, Saudi Arabia, somewhere where the soil is just so degraded right right well it depends on it depends on what you know are they trucking in are they flying in the food there and how much of it is grown there and and so it's all it's always contextual right you got to know where the food is coming from um but like dry areas tend to have more boron in the soil and places that have tons of rain tend to have the the boron seems to get washed away And and this is in the literature and with all the weird rains that have been going on worldwide, like the flooding and all this stuff, I've seen boron take a massive dive in the last like eight months. It's, it's crazy. It's just disappeared hmm. in, in my new clients and my old clients. So I knew it, I knew it wasn't my, my doing because it was like across the board. It just poof disappeared. Um, so it's, it's fun seeing these patterns and, but you know, it's not something I'm going to publish. So nobody will ever recognize it other than, me and my clients. Let's talk about vitamin D and vitamin A because you've been oh, you've boy. been talking a lot about vitamin A lately <laughs> and vitamin A toxicity and I'm I'm really interested. Um so I think a great place to start is one is enlighten us a little bit about what's going on. What have you uh, noticed clinically and, and what are we starting to realize about vitamin D supplementation? and how it's negatively affecting people, what we can do instead, and then what are the correlations to that vitamin A um, and some of the symptoms that you're starting to see? So I'll, I'll try to keep this somewhat <laughs> on the rails because <laughs> it's, all, it's all intertwined, right? I mean, nutrition is all intertwined, and so tangents are part of the whole thing but so vitamin d so vitamin d is something i've been vitamin d supplements or taking vitamin d orally whether it's cod liver oil oh my gosh the number of people i get who are ruined by cod liver oil and their kids are ruined by cod liver oil it's just outrageous and people will defend it to the death because they don't actually look at how they've been feeling um so vitamin d on a hair test will drastically 
elevate calcium in the hair test and it will drastically lower potassium. And this was, this was a pattern that I was taught when I got into hair analysis. I took a seminar from a guy and, and he taught me about this and I started looking and I, I could distinctly get from people when I'd see their first hair test and there was high calcium and low potassium, they'd always had a history of taking vitamin D supplements. So low potassium, as an example for people who are wondering if this might be an issue for them, low potassium on a hair test is often associated with low energy, anxiety, um, constipation, basically just a lot of the things that are associated with hypothyroid. Mm. High calcium on a hair test tends to be associated with calcification of soft tissues. This could be arthritis, joint pain, muscle stiffness, fibromyalgia. My vision of the body, the way I kind of look at it is we can, we can simplify it in certain ways down to like a plumbing electrical chemical machine and so if we look at the body in the things that in the in the ways that we fix certain things out in the world like let's say as an example when we're talking about calcium when we're talking about let's say your dishwasher has too much lime scale in it it's got too much calcium deposits what we can we can use things vinegar as an example an acid to help dissolve calcium deposits we can use magnesium to help dissolve calcium deposits. We can do the very same things. When people think about heart disease as an example, they've been sold this idea that it's like cholesterol is the problem. Sure. Well, there's, you can, you can debunk this very quickly or realize what is actually most important when they, there's an ultrasound test that they do of your carotid artery. They call it a coronary calcium score which is where they're doing an ultrasound of, of your carotid artery in your neck and they're seeing how much calcium is in it because lime scale in pipes, you know, the, the calcium deposits slowly shrink the tube because they deposit and they get bigger and bigger and bigger until the, the hole shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. That is the same thing that heart disease is. And we measure it with a coronary calcium score. It's not cholesterol. I mean, cholesterol is in there, but it's, it's calcium that's really forming it. And then if you thought about if there was calcium deposits on a blood vessel, a blood vessel is supposed to be able to expand and contract, right? To help with blood pressure and all of this. If you calcified the inside of a pipe, it's not going to be able to expand and contract as, as much as it should. And then you start getting blood pressure problems. Yeah, that makes sense so, to me. And, and these are, this is calcification from, or calcium deposits that are accumulated from our diet, as well as what's excreted from within the body. So potentially like bone breakdown. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, so when, yeah. So when we go back to the hair analysis and we say, okay, so we have high hair calcium on a hair test. And this is why this type of, this type of analysis doesn't appeal to all practitioners or even all people, because the sad state of things is we have to use our brains and say, we have high hair calcium on a hair test. What this is really indirectly showing us is that over time, we've had a trend towards an excess of calcium in the, in the blood that the body is then trying to get rid of. And it has to do so, or else the blood calcium will go too high and then cause all sorts of problems in the body. Hypercalcemia, you can look up hypercalcemia problems and it's all sorts of problems. So, body will want to avoid the blood because if the blood gets out of whack, your heart, your brain, all sorts of other things have problems very quickly. So the body has to keep the blood under control. So it has to have a blow off valve. The hair is one of those blow off valves. So when we're seeing high hair calcium, how did that blood calcium 
trend towards being too high over those months. It could be from an excess of calcium in the diet. I'm not terribly, that is not the major driver. But still, when we think of human breast milk has four times less calcium than cow's milk, we start going, well, maybe humans don't need as much calcium as cows. Okay. So you mean the milk, you mean the recommendations from the milk industry are not accurate as far as the <laughs> amount of calcium that we need? Well, we'd have to think that the milk industry has its own interests at, at hand. That's, and no, that's not feasible. No, it's not that. No, no way. Right. Nobody's ever interested in selling more of their own product. You know? All right. So, um, gotcha. so, so we have the, we have the dairy thing. I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not some anti-dairy like zealot. I just don't think, I think we've been sold an idea that we have to have more calcium than, than the dairy industry's possible infiltration into the nutrition research has told us. Then we get into vitamin D, which we're fortifying foods with now. People are taking supplements of it. It's in their multivitamin. It's in all these things. Vitamin D has two main functions in the body. And I am of the belief that what vitamin D in the body, what the body really likes it for is it raises calcium in the blood. This is its main function. It also causes the kidneys to lose potassium. And I have the study in rats that shows this. So if people are out there listening and they're like, I get calf cramps or foot cramps at night and I don't know what's going on. That's a potassium deficiency. And if you're taking vitamin D, that's not going to go away until you stop taking vitamin D because the vitamin D is causing the potassium deficiency. So anyway, back to the calcium thing. Vitamin D will raise calcium in your blood one of two ways and these are both in the literature it will increase your calcium absorption from the gut so however much calcium you're eating we don't always we don't absorb everything we eat we always you know lose some of it to the the, the bowel movements right so let's say you normally with your standard vitamin d level in your blood natural vitamin d level let's say you absorb three out of ten units of calcium that you eat Whereas if you start taking a big vitamin D supplement and you start absorbing eight out of 10 units of the calcium that you eat. So it doesn't mean, doesn't mean you ate any more calcium. You just absorb more. You're going to suck more out of it, out of your food. And that's one way it can raise your calcium. But what if you are not eating quote unquote enough calcium for what the vitamin D wants to suck out of your gut? Mm, I gotcha. And it goes after your bones. And if you look up vitamin D, bone resorption, you will find out there scientific papers talking about vitamin D causing bone resorption or basically chopping calcium out of the bone to raise the blood level. So if we look at vitamin D as a signal in the body to raise blood calcium by hook or by crook, it's going to do it either through your diet or through your bones. So, and funny thing is that I always tell people, I say, so we've got this vitamin D fad in our country. And if this is true, and we have more and more people taking more and more vitamin D by mouth, shouldn't the osteoporosis epidemic be getting better? Exactly. Somehow. And I, and I can show them the research from the Osteoporosis Foundation that it is steadily getting worse. Why is this happening? If, is it possible that maybe vitamin D is aggravating the problem? And then when people go and look up the studies where they're supplementing vitamin D, they're either finding that it, there's no benefit or possibly that it's even making things worse. So there's not a lot of studies where people, people assume that here's the mistake in the vitamin D research. People look at, there's two types of studies really. There's one where they, they just take people off the street and they measure their vitamin D levels and they correlate it to disease conditions. 
was just simply saying, you know, I walk in, they take my vitamin D level and they give me a bunch of questionnaires and they assess whether, or, or they have groups of people with health problems and they're measuring their vitamin D levels and they're seeing how they're doing on that stuff versus studies where they actually supplement vitamin D. Does that make sense? So there's, this is a huge difference in types of studies. One is just your natural walking around vitamin D level correlated with disease states versus having a disease state and trying to give some vitamin D to raise their vitamin D level. Yeah, that these makes are, a lot of sense. Massively different. You can't, you can't even begin to compare those two, two studies. And what we're seeing is the ones where they're supplementing people, the studies are not looking that good. They're not doing what they hoped because you can't assume that somebody, if you have, if you have a healthy person with a good vitamin D level and you have an unhealthy person with a low vitamin D level, the assumption, right? You know what happens when you assume, right? Right. So if you, you, the assumption that they're doing, I always say it like that <laughs> to make sure that people get the ass part. Um, so you cannot just assume that if you give an unhealthy person vitamin D enough to raise their vitamin D level to that of a healthy person, that that is going to fix all of their problems. And this is what I saw in practice. It didn't work. This is what studies are coming out showing that it didn't work. I've been railing on not taking vitamin D supplements for like five years now. And actually I'll go over it right now. What I, what I found in the research had eight nutrients from the research that when they were deficient would negatively affect the vitamin D level. People would have a lower vitamin D level if they were deficient in these nutrients. So we had zinc, magnesium, boron, Vitamin C, vitamin E, B6, folate, vitamin B2, and now, which we're going to get into soon here, vitamin A is, will directly lower vitamin D levels. And so now that's, that's the new thing that I'm getting into is the vitamin A toxicity. I don't believe vitamin A is a vitamin at all. And this, this is getting out there on a limb, but it's not, it's not a vitamin. And it's actually directly lowering vitamin D levels, which fits in with the whole the whole place where yes. we're going next. So, so, so just to, to, to recap a little bit. So what you were seeing or what the literature is suggesting and then what's kind of being confirmed through clinical practice is despite the fact that people are low, uh, blood levels are low in vitamin D, simply supplementing with vitamin D uh, is, is artificially raising, potentially artificially raising vitamin D levels, but to the detriment of other tissues and organ systems in the body. Yes. Well, well, we have to look at the vitamin D level. So, so here's, here's the difference that I, that I, here's something I do differently than a lot of other practitioners. And we, if we start to look at the body, if we say that the body is wise and that the body knows what it's doing, why, if we, if we were to say, instead of saying the vitamin D level is low, we must take our hammer and hammer that nail. We must bring the vitamin D level up because this is obviously what the problem is with the body. That's, this is a very black and white, very allopathic, very like if it's hot, make it cold. If it's wet, make it dry kind of approach. If, if we said, why is the vitamin D low? What if we were to look at this, like, let's say a hair test, which gives us a longer perspective on things. And we saw that somebody had low vitamin D and let's say high calcium on a hair test thought experiment here. What if the body could read that the calcium was too high and it said, let's lower our vitamin D level as a compensation yeah. 
mechanism because the body is trying, the body says, I will take, the body always says, I will take the long, slow death over the quick death. <laughs> we always have to think of it that way. The body, the body will go, I don't want to, I don't want to die right now. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to rob Peter to pay Paul, but Paul's the long, slow death. And so we just, we don't want to die right now. So the calcium, it's got to do something with that calcium, that high calcium is going to push it into your joints. It's going to push it into your muscles. I have a study that shows that in people in nursing homes, the more vitamin D and the more calcium they had taken, the more calcified brain lesions they had. Like, so the body is going to do whatever it can to put that calcium into places, whether it's soft tissues or your brain or your muscles or any of that stuff. So it's just the body's constantly making decisions. And if it said we'd rather have low vitamin D, so we stop calcifying so much. And then we say, oh, no, 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 no. We need vitamin D in there. We're going to plug it in there. It's a hormone. Like vitamin D is not a vitamin. It is a hormone. It is the most, in my opinion, the most powerful thing that you can get over the counter. Well, now there's vitamin A, but vitamin A is just a poison. So vitamin D is a hormone. Vitamin A is a poison. And we're all getting too much of them. And vitamin A and vitamin D both drastically act on calcium in the body. And so potassium. That's, no, that's, that's really profound uh, information. And so what you were alluding to is, is the research suggests that it's other micronutrient deficiencies that can contribute to low vitamin D. Right. Or uh, excess vitamin excess like vitamin A. And, and so I wouldn't argue that people are nutritionally deficient in vitamins and minerals, uh, specifically the minerals, but also talk to us now about uh, vitamin excess and, because it's, it's something we haven't, we don't hear about and we wouldn't necessarily think about. We're always thinking about deficiencies. Right, right. So, so people, if for people who are listening, who are immediately like, they're going, there's no way this vitamin A thing is true. So I, I would, I would, I would ask you to go and Google hypervitaminosis A with or without the word chronic. So chronic hypervitaminosis A or chronic vitamin A toxicity. And you can go and look at the symptoms of that. Apparently uh, Grant Jenneru, the guy who brought all this to my attention, he's, he's accumulated about 50 symptoms. Uh, I mean, he's, he's assembled 50 yeah. different symptoms of vitamin A toxicity. And you can get into there. I mean, you can get the simple ones. There's insomnia, there's headaches, there's skin rashes, there's dry skin, there's hair falling out. Like, I mean, how many people today are having these issues? And we're getting into, gosh, I have, I have like gone full bore into researching this and it is mind boggling how much of human health and suffering in the Western world is related to this vitamin A, which includes carotenoids, toxicity. So what should I be thinking about and what should our listeners be thinking about? When we talk about vitamin A, what foods oh, gosh. are we really referring to? Because there's vitamin A in a lot of, uh, <laughs> of you know, quote unquote, nutritious foods. Right. Well, well, things that we've been sold as nutritious, right? right. So we get into, so like I, I was talking to a woman the other day and she was, she was saying, how could I have gotten this problem? Like I'm so healthy. And, and I was saying, okay, so 
she it ended up as we as we did a little detective work. She actually owns a skincare line. Oh, okay. and they put vitamin A in one of their main their flagship products. Okay, vitamin A. I can tell you the fat soluble things through the skin are absorbed amazingly well. That's why they put vitamin A in anti-aging creams and now they're putting like as an example they put vitamin a in a lot of sunscreens mm-hmm. vitamin a actually sensitizes your skin one of the known side effects of vitamin a is to make you more photosensitive more easily burned by the sun what in the world is it going into a sunscreen for there you can type in like vitamin a in nail polish maybe you remember since we're about the same age you remember like the pantene commercials when we were kids and they'd say pro vitamin a sure right so they're putting it in shampoo they're putting it in lotions. They're putting it in. There are fortified foods, cereal fortified, any kind of low-fat dairy product fortified. It, you go in the literature, and I can, I can. The first sentence of one one paper that I was reading it was vitamin A deficiency in Western countries is quite rare. And then you go, well, why are they fortifying all of our stuff then? Um, vitamin A is in carotenoids and vitamin A. Every multivitamin. It's so we have the the health nuts on one side eating all the rainbow of vegetables. So they're trying to get all the rainbow of vegetables. Well, I did a whole Facebook video just the other day about what's called aposematism, which is in the animal world, in the animal kingdom, poisonous animals mark themselves to try to not be eaten by using bright colors. Three of the most important colors to aposematism in the animal kingdom are red, orange, and yellow three of the most prominent colors that carotenoids put into plants are red, orange, and yellow. If the plant kingdom, if the animal kingdom has figured out to mark itself with bright colors, why would we assume that the plant kingdom has not figured out the same? And I, I posted some a scientific paper under that video I did the other day about, the funny thing was, was in, in, the, in the toxic plants that kept coming up in this aposematism article I, I had linked about the plant kingdom, red kept coming up. So then we started talking about what, what's red that people are eating a lot of these days. Well, we have the fad of all the spicy food, right? So we got peppers and everything, which already have capsa- capsaicin, which people will say, oh, but capsaicin's anti-inflammatory. And I say, okay, tell me how anti-inflammatory pepper spray is in your eye. And then they go, oh, like, why do we have pepper spray? Because <laughs> it's an irritant. It's a chemical irritant. Um, why do people sometimes after they, let's say, go have really spicy Mexican food, why do they feel it on the toilet the next day? That's not soothing, right? So we have the vitamin A and then we have the capsaicin. We have the red peppers. We have the red tomatoes. Like everything's tomatoes and peppers yeah. these days. Um, we get into the, the health nuts eating liver. Vitamin A. Yeah. Tons of vitamin A. We get, and, and, and yeah. And then we get the people who are, you know, the, the, whether they're drinking, you know, just normal pasteurized, homogenized stuff, milk that is, if it's low fat, it's fortified with vitamin A and D, or they're getting the vitamin, the, the, the raw milk from their, you know, local farmer or whatever. It's full of vitamin A and vitamin D. I can tell you that the raw milk co-op that I used to work with when I was in med school didn't have to add vitamin D to their milk because it already had enough in it. Yeah. So we have like milk becomes a perfect storm. It's got vitamin A, vitamin D and calcium. So it's like, it's like the firewood with the gasoline, with the match. It's ready to just fire people up in terms of calcium. Um, so I'm trying to think of the other foods. 
So those, oh yeah, so the people who aren't eating healthy, they're getting oh, and then oh, and then the bacon fad, right? <laughs> Everybody with the bacon yeah, and it's the keto, fat man. and all this stuff. Well, so so this is what I was talking about on your post about the ketogenic diet. Um, so there's only two animals that that I, I'm aware of from from Grant's research and from what I've seen. There's only two animals that store vitamin A in their fat. And that is pigs and humans. So pigs will store vitamin A in their fat. So when you're eating bacon, you're getting like a massive dose of vitamin A from hmm. that. It's, it's, it's in the form of retino, it's in the form of retinoic acid. So if you were to look at the label, it might not say vitamin A because retinoic acid, oh my gosh, retinoic acid hides from the analysis. It's, it's, it's known that it, it doesn't show up. Like as an example in analysis on a hair and mineral analysis, Mercury, when we look at mercury on a hair analysis, it's going to show us what's called organic mercury, methyl mercury, ethyl mercury, like the type of stuff that's in fish or shellfish. It doesn't show us inorganic mercury, like the stuff that's in mercury fillings, or if somebody okay. drank a mercury thermometer. So, so even the hair test only shows like a certain type of mercury. It doesn't show both. So vitamin A analysis doesn't show, it shows retinol. It doesn't show always retinoic acid which is the damaging stuff. And when people go, well, how could vitamin A be so bad? What, what, what about it? And I go, so retinoic acid, go look up chemical peel and retinoic acid. Chemical peels for women's faces, well, anybody's faces, you know, we're, we're equal opportunity here. Anybody sure. can get a chemical peel. Um, but retinoic acid, chemical peels, they, they're like basically dissolving the skin on people's faces so that they get new brand new skin come up. Dissolving the top layer of skin right? This is not good. <laughs> then I say people go leaky gut, leaky gut. And I go, well, so what would happen if you put chemical peel chemicals into your stomach? Do you think that could dissolve your stomach cells, your gut cells? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so gosh, now when I started figuring out the vitamin A thing, one of the first things I, I noticed when I learned about vitamin A foods and what, what it's in and the highest things is I, I was able to actually, I was always very sensitive in my gut to foods. Like I would feel different when I ate certain things. And I was able, as I learned more about vitamin A, I was like, oh, the foods I felt best on were low at lowest in vitamin A. And the foods that would cause me problems were the highest in vitamin A. That, that blew my mind because I was just like, wow, I have like, I have my own sensor in my body that was telling me all, all the whole time what the problem was. I just didn't, couldn't figure out the thread. Yeah, sure. Between. So, so how are you identifying, diagnosing excess vitamin A? How's it showing so, up? So, well, I mean, geez, basically I've come to the conclusion with, with that 50 symptom list and people, you know, honestly, we, we go on the internet, the interwebs or whatever you want to call it. And you look at the, the newest thing and, and you're like, you know, look, let's say you look up turmeric and people are like, well, gosh, it looks like turmeric can help everything. Um, and so a lot of people will discount things because they see that it affects everything. They'll say, well, nothing, nothing, you know, fixes everything, nothing causes everything. And that's true. But what I'm finding with my clients is as we're addressing these issues, stuff is going away. So I'm pretty much to the conclusion here that if somebody has a chronic health issue, they have some level of this. The more health problems they have, especially the more autoimmune conditions they have, the deeper this goes. 
Um, I, I haven't had I haven't had anybody yet who's really been doing the what I call the vitamin A detox with me. Where the so the way I do it with people, there's the vitamin A detox, which which anybody can do. It is the most effective part of all the stuff I do. But when they do the the focused nutrition along with it, where we're replacing the very things that they that that the toxicity has affected or or depleted or however it happens then they're going to get, they're going to fix the damage that was there faster and they're going to get out of it faster. So I haven't had anybody who hasn't said that, that's, I mean, people are saying things are getting better along the way. So it may not be all of their issue, the vitamin A, but it's a big part of it. So, so you're using, so you're using symptoms. Oh, well there's, there's the symptoms. Now I have started testing. We do have between grant, and then Grant Jenneru, if you want to go to his blog and check out his stuff, he's the guy who introduced me to this idea and I've just run with it. So if you go into his website, you're not going to find all the stuff that I have since figured out. Grant's very excited with the work I'm doing on it, but it's G Jenneru, G E N E R E U X dot blog, G Jenneru dot blog. Um, but this, this guy, this guy was, well, Grant was basically his quick story was he was, he was going to die of chronic kidney disease. And he had horrible eczema and he started doing, he's a, he's a, an engineer. I, I, I want to say he's an electrical engineer, but he started doing research into it because he wanted to figure out what was causing it. And through his little nutritional detective work, he started figuring out this thread of vitamin A and he went deeper and deeper and deeper. And now he's written about 800 total pages of eBooks on it. He's got three different eBooks out on it. They're all free at his website. So you can go read it. He basically, he cured his chronic kidney disease. He cured his eczema. His, his kidney doctors have never seen somebody come back from chronic kidney disease ever. And now all his kidney, kidney numbers are normal. So he figured that out and I started doing it. And now I'm, I'm, oh, the things that I'm hoping to see cured. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to, I shouldn't use that word. The things that I'm hoping to see get better because cured is a dangerous legal sure. term, right? Um, well, what are you seeing with, I mean, with your patients up till now? I know it's relatively new in your practice, but I'm assuming let you... Let me get, let me get, I had one just sent to me just the other day. So this is a, f a female over 50. My general health has improved immensely. Chronic fatigue, multiple areas of bone pain, brain fog, depression, IBS have all greatly improved or disappeared. My energy level is high throughout the day. My very white, not gray hair is now blonde again. Like that was a quick, um, quick wow. little thing sent. Like I, I'm seeing, I, I had a woman who she just emailed me the other day. She's, I think she's been doing the vitamin A detox for about a month. She's already down 20 pounds and, and nothing worked for her for losing weight before. Grant did an article, a blog on his, on his website about uh, vitamin A and obesity um, because it could be the driving factor. This is what I was talking about with the ketogenic diet on your stuff is whether people or not, when they're doing the ketogenic diet, if they pick high vitamin A foods, like let's say they're trying to do keto and they're trying to be healthy and they're going to eat liver and they're going to do bacon and pig lard and they're going to do all this stuff and they wonder why they're not getting anywhere probably because they just took other one some certain vitamin a sources and they subbed them out for other ones i keep like i'm, I'm slowly leaning out like i'm wearing as as a 43 year old guy right i'm not trying to lose weight i i was i was not happy with my weight at 205 
but I wasn't upset with it. And all of a sudden, like I'm fitting into, you know, those like those pants, or the shorts you have around that are like just a bit too tight to be comfortable. And then yeah. you just, you know, I started doing this and I'm, I'm eating whatever I want. Don't get me wrong. I don't count calories. I don't do macros. I don't do anything. And I'm just eating a low vitamin A diet. And all of a sudden I'm fitting into all those shorts that I used to not wear around because they, they just fit now. Um, and I, I think I lost about 10 pounds doing it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, I wasn't trying to lose weight. I didn't change my exercise. I didn't, my workouts are getting stronger. Like everything that people could want <laughs> in, in a health program is happening. And I just get testimonials. Actually, I could read another testimonial. I just got one. Um, no, that's, that's cool. Pull, go ahead and pull it up. But with your detox, I mean, with the vitamin A detox, it's, it's so you're basically just taking all of the foods that someone is normally consuming that would be high in vitamin A and you're removing them. So you're that's giving the, That's them- the plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really the, the whole thing is, I mean, it's, it's a sum, it's a sum game, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sum of all the things. So we, the more things we take out, like I have people honestly, who, when I get them off their vitamin A supplements, they start having positive reactive. There's, this is the thing that people don't get though. There is a detox phase. People will feel the vitamin, the vitamin A causes problems on its way in. It causes detox symptoms on the way out. And then people would argue, you know, there's the people who are doubting it would say, well, how do you know that's not vitamin A deficiency since you put them on a vitamin A deficient diet? And I say, because logically, if it was inducing a deficiency and we were sticking with that deficiency, that deficiency causing diet, the problem would only get worse. That makes sense, right? They get more and more symptoms. They get worse and worse because the deficiency would get deeper and deeper. Well, what we see is we see the, the little detox symptoms come up and then they fade away and then people feel better. And that's how we know we're talking like, we're talking like three to five days. I, I people who get on detoxes and they're like, they feel like crap for a month or two or three before they finally give up. I'm like, that's not a detox. They were just making you feel like garbage. Right. <laughs> so, oh, and so this, this will be a funny uh, testimonial to go over because people associate what they've been taught is that vitamin A is very necessary for vision. Right. Right. So let's see this guy. I've been implementing Dr. Smith's findings for about a year. These are my results and observations so far. My upper back acne is almost entirely gone. My skin is getting clearer, looking smooth and healthy. I used to get red eyes easily, mostly from my computer job. I rarely get them now, even though I spend the same or more amount of time working with computers. I think my vision is improving. I'll have to test to confirm. My gums seem to be healthier, pointy, and more pale, not as dark red. He put in parentheses, reduced inflammation, I guess. Bleeding was common during flossing before, not now anymore. No calf cramping anymore. I could make my calves and feet cramp on demand before. Hmm. By far the most important difference I see is my mental, emotional state and my baseline mood and energy levels. Brain fog only appears if I'm sleep deprived. Depression and anxiety seem states of the past. Now I might have some occasional negative thoughts, which soon go away. My default state is now alertness, curiosity, resourcefulness, focus, sharp thinking. I do have days when my energy is on the lower side, but I don't feel particularly cheerful, but it's nowhere near any kind of depression, hopelessness, or anything similar to what was occurring before. I would like to mention how the changes I've done have improved my health and well-being without negative impacts. What I mean is that my previous attempts at improving my health were a give and take game where something improved while something else worsened. With Dr. Smith's changes, I am experiencing only improvements. Some happen faster while others slower, but it's extremely exciting. I can't wait to see what will be the next thing to change for the better. So... I'll just end it there. Nice. That's awesome. I mean, that's, 
the the thing with this is is the depth of this this poisoning of humanity is really what I'm I'm getting into. It, it is it is a mass poisoning, and that's what Grant said in his first book when he was looking into it. He said the patterns of autoimmunity and disease based on the way he was looking at things with his engineer mind was that it looked the way it was happening in westernized countries was that it looked like a pattern of mass poisoning and now i absolutely believe this hey brother are you struggling to find the energy to function at your best as a businessman father and husband i want you to know you're not alone And sadly, the conventional wisdom these days around healthy eating and exercise that has saturated the mainstream is flat out wrong. If you want to find the solution to optimizing your energy and body composition without restrictive dieting, soul-crushing workouts, or adding more to your already stressful and overflowing schedule so that you can finally function like the man you know you can be, then we need to chat. Are you ready to move from exhausted to energized? by working smarter, not harder. Go ahead and schedule your free strategy call at www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. I'm looking forward to our conversation and enjoy the rest of the show. Something spurred my interest with that testimonial and I wanna just, I wanna briefly touch on it um, and then we'll we'll wrap it up and we'll give yeah, the yeah, listeners yeah. some resources to roll with. Um, moving forward, but with respect to the testimonial, the gentleman was talking about acne on his back. Yes. Could you touch on uh, estrogen and testosterone imbalances um, specifically in men, because we're seeing this, you know, sort of epidemic decline in testosterone. And we've got a lot of guys that are listening that are struggling with low energy. They're struggling with low testosterone. There are a lot of them are on, um, you know, quote unquote, therapeutic uh, hormone replacement therapy. Uh, And I'm interested to hear your take considering now what you know about how vitamin A toxicity could be affecting this and and what you're seeing there. Okay. So I was actually looking at a a, uh, study just the other day about Sertoli cells. Well, let me, let me back up for a second to, to one of the rules of vitamin A research. When people are looking at the research, if they're looking at vitamin A research or retinoic acid research, in a cell study, like a DNA study or, or an in vitro, like a Petri dish study, or they're looking at short-term studies in rats and they see certain things, the, the study will say, well, vitamin A helps this problem. What I'm going to tell you, the rule that I've figured out is if vitamin, and I did this on a post about hair loss the other day on my Facebook, things that vitamin A seems to help short-term, the same vitamin A over the long-term destroys that tissue. And like, here's the example. So vitamin A is actually included in like some Rogaine formulations, okay? So it helps short term. And then if you go and you type in vitamin A alopecia or vitamin A hair loss, like long term, vitamin A toxicity is well associated with hair loss. This is, this is the part that is going to be so hard for the black and white mindset people. They want, if it's good short term, they want it to be good long term. It's kind of, I liken it to caffeine. Like if somebody's super tired and they can't get their work done, if they take a bunch of caffeine, it'll help them get their work done short term, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. over time, they're like drinking three or four monsters a day. And if they don't have three or four monsters, then they're just a, a worthless pile of nothing, right? So it, it, it eventually, it doesn't fix the problem and it makes them worse over time. It's the exact same thing. 
So when we're talking about the vitamin A thing, that's the thing that we got to get past. Now, first, I can tell you guys who are interested in testosterone, vitamin A in the research increases aromatase activity. Yep. That should be scary. Vitamin A increases the conversion of testosterone to est the enzyme that converts testosterone to estrogen in your body. This is what we don't want. So I have direct research showing vitamin A increases aromatase activity. Next, I had a study just the other day. It was about retinoic acid damaging the Sertoli cells in testes. Okay. This is not something we want. Vitamin A, basically, there's research, vitamin A is damaging the testes. So now let me go into a personal story about when I learned about the vitamin A and I put things together, vitamin A being including carotenoids, when I put it together, it made sense to me. So I, I decided once after, you know, reading the interwebs, you heard of astaxanthin? Yeah, of course. So astaxanthin is a carotenoid. We typically would associate it with like shrimp or flamingos. It's what gives them the pink color. It's in krill oil. Um, and so I, I decided I had read some studies. I'll tell you about what I didn't know about those studies at the time later, but I read some studies about how it could increase testosterone. So I thought, okay, I'll start taking it. I started taking the high dose, 12 milligrams, 14 milligrams, whatever it was, one a day. First two weeks, I felt like as a guy, you know, if you know the symptoms of testosterone, I felt like my symptoms of testosterone were improving. Like, you know, more morning erections and stuff like that, more yeah. drive. And I, I kind of just kept taking it because I was like, the first two weeks look good. Got to be good, right? Short-term changes. By the seventh week, like, I was concerned. I, I was depressed. I was having functional issues, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It was not good. And I was sitting there kind of like in that depressed zone in the bathtub. And I thought, this has got to be something I'm taking, so then I start, and, I, and I, I'm good at intuitive hits on some of these things. And I just went, it's got to be the astaxanthin. So I start Googling astaxanthin and I find out that, oh, all of the studies on astaxanthin were, were really mostly funded by the company that sells it. Does that sound familiar to dairy, right? And then also it is a DHT inhibitor. That's not good. Nope. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, it's got to be this. So I stopped it. And it took about two weeks for everything to return to normal, and it did, but that's when I, 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 I kept that in the back of my mind, and now when the vitamin A thing and the carotenoid came out, I went, oh my God, I've had this happen to me. Mm -hmm. So, so we, got, we got that, and, then, and there was actually some times where I was taking vitamin A because I was taught to do it in two of the major approaches that I had learned from, whether it's the, both the hair analysis and the Walsh Institute approach, they both advocated vitamin A. And during the time using it, I was at one point, I was, you know, a couple times I'd look in the mirror and I'd be like, as a guy, you know what to look for, for gyno. If you're a physician or if you're a weightlifter, you know what you're, you're looking for gyno, like those little slight fatty developments under your nipples. Right. And I was kind of seeing it a little bit and I went, is seriously, is this, what is going on here? And now I don't, have that anymore because I, I, I fixed the vitamin A problem. So I totally believe that vitamin A is an aromatase inducer. Like it will increase estrogen in your body. And here's an interesting story about vitamin A and testosterone. So what do we know about vitamin A and light? UVB light and red light, the big, everybody's into red light these days, right? 
Yeah, like the juve light and the biohackers and standing naked in front of that, getting sunlight on your nuts. And so, yes, right. So let's talk about that. So UVB light is used in psoriasis treatments, and I just posted a study on my Facebook the other day about how psoriasis skin is significantly higher in vitamin A than the skin around it, and even in psoriasis folks, they have higher vitamin A in their skin than non-psoriasis folks. So we have a connection between vitamin A and psoriasis. Well, if you look up psoriasis lamps, if you go and Google that or Amazon it, you'll find that psoriasis lamps are UVB lamps and they sell them and it can help get rid of your psoriasis. So UVB destroys vitamin A in the skin, okay? Then red light also destroys vitamin A in the skin. So if I were to tell you that I believe vitamin A damages the testicles, which I have the study on, I'm looking at it right here, all transretinoic acid, which is vitamin A, induces free radical generation and modulates antioxidant enzyme activities in rat Sertoli cells. So it increases free radical damage in the cells, in the, in the testes. So there was a study, maybe you've heard about it, the UVB exposure to the, the chest versus the testicles. Have you heard about that one? I don't think I have. It's okay. There was, a, there was a study where they did a UVB exposure to male chests versus male testicles. With the UVB exposure to the chest, it increased testosterone levels by 120%, which is cool. Great. Awesome. Get out in the sun. You know, get some sun. However, when they expose the testicles, the scrotum, to UV, the UVB lamp, testosterone went up 200%. That's crazy. So then people, before I knew about the vitamin A stuff, I was like, well, you just got to get sunlight on your balls. <laughs> right. But now that I know about the vitamin A thing, I go, oh my God, it was destroying the poisonous vitamin A in the testicles and the, the testicles just started doing what they're supposed to be doing again better because we had a local impact. So like I can, I can tie all these things together all day long. I'm just sitting there tying things together. My little pocket app is going crazy with me, like saving links there because mm -hmm. I just, I just think of something and you know, I, if, I find, if I find a disease that is, so, is supposedly associated with low vitamin A, I, then I can go and search and find that that same disease is associated with a zinc. Oh, zinc deficiency. Why don't we go into that one? So you need zinc to protect your body against vitamin A by making retinol binding protein. Zinc important to testosterone, right? Right, of course. I, I told you about how testosterone, I mean, the, the, the vitamin A damages the testes and you need zinc to protect yourself against vitamin A. So is it that, is it a zinc deficiency that's why you're not making testosterone? Is it a zinc deficiency that's not protecting you from vitamin A that makes the vitamin A affect your testicles more? Mm, I gotcha. That's why you can't get it. So, so and a funny thing, I have research showing that Zinc deficiency negatively affects vitamin D production. You need zinc to protect you against vitamin A. And then we have zinc is obviously correlated to, to testosterone. And so all of this is connected. And I'm just like, my day is just constantly just finding these spider webs of connections. But at the center of the spider web right now, the, the chronic. So, so let me back up about the vitamin A thing. So people will be saying, is all vitamin A bad? Oh my God, I can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. It's, it's in everything and all this. And so, so we get into, yes, vitamin A carotenoids are in tons of foods and humans think, think of it as plant toxin warfare on humans. Yeah. 
It's, it's a natural thing. It's been going on for, you know, ever since there was plants and humans. So humans are actually fairly well adapted to deal with a certain amount of vitamin A in the diet. We are well adapted to it. The, the problem is, well, let me go back and let me just jump into my analogy real, real quick about the bathtub analogy. So if you think of a bathtub as your liver is like a bathtub in terms of vitamin A, the, the liver can hold a certain amount of vitamin A. The bathtub can hold a certain amount of water. There's a drain on the bathtub. Your liver detoxes vitamin A. That's the drain. There is vitamin A coming into your system from foods. That's the faucet coming into the bathtub. And so, you know, the water level in a bathtub would be a constant variable between the drain and the faucet, right? Yes. So we are detoxing vitamin A all the time, and we're usually having some, some amount come in all the time. The problem with vitamin A is when your bathtub fills up and overflows. That's when the problems start. The longer your bathtub overflows, if you think about your house and you have a bathtub overflowing, the longer that bathtub overflows, the more parts of your house are going to be damaged. The more the damage and the more parts of your house are going to be damaged. This is exactly what's happening. The, the longer the liver is completely overflowed with vitamin A, the more damage it causes. An example of this that people can usually relate to is the statement by doctors who talk like rheumatologists and autoimmune doctors will say, once you get one autoimmune disease, yes, you probably got more coming. This is once your bathtub is overflowing, if it keeps overflowing, you're going to have bigger problems. That's exactly what's going on. And so, yes, for those people who are listening, autoimmunity, I do believe now is completely related to vitamin A toxicity. Let's get a couple, a couple takeaways here as far as yeah. if, if, if vitamin A, as you're suggesting, is detrimental, what are some takeaways for people uh, to avoid? What are the biggest contributors that you're seeing okay. in terms sure. of food and or chemicals that uh, people are exposing themselves to that we can take action on right away? So things that I things think what I would do if I were in my situation, <laughs> since I'm not giving direct medical advice to anyone. Uh, totally. So, okay. No, I, I mean, first of all, no vitamin A or carotenoids in supplements. And, and just okay. so people know, if, if people all of a sudden draft, let's say you take all these measures that I'm about to go over and somebody quits all their vitamin A and they're in their anti-aging lotion and their supplements and they're, they stop eating fortified foods and all this and they feel better for like three days to a week. And then all of a sudden they start not feeling good with old symptoms or something like that. That is the detox. That is, that is the detox. Now, if they want information on, you know, if they want cheerleading or they want more information on what's going to be happening and all that stuff, that's where they could contact me. That's, that's what I'm, I'm kind of the expert on the vitamin D uh, vitamin A detox symptoms and how to get through it because I'm, I'm the only physician I know of who's really working on this. So, so there would be, so things that people could do on, on a regular basis without, without making any major spending or inroads would be one, make sure there's no vitamin A or carotenoids in any of your personal care products. Anything that touches your skin or your body needs to not have any carotenoids or vitamin A in it. Now, that also would include for all the, for all the crunchy hippie people out there with the essential oils, carotenoids are fat soluble. So if they're taking fruits and vegetables and super duper concentrating them and their oils, right, they're going to have tons of carotenoids in them. 
So you got to watch out for that. So generally I tell people with like, if it's an essential oil in a skincare product or another product, if it's got a color to it, especially red, yellow, or orange, if the, if the product is actually colored, that's probably enough that you don't want to use that. Hmm. Um, gotcha. So yeah, I mean, like, like we talked about with the Pantene, it could be pro vitamin A. It could be lutein. It could be lycopene. It could be whatever. So then we got the skincare products. We've got, oh my God, if, if you were to look back on your health history and you saw your health problems started after you took Accutane or Retin-A. Oh, I, I took that a couple <laughs> times, a couple times. Well, if, if you ever want to work on this stuff with me, we can get, we can get started on that. You yeah, may, you I may definitely have gotten, need to, I'm going to jump in with you. Absolutely. It's, um, it'll be, I mean, I, I had a guy who, who was emailing me about his detox symptoms and he actually went and he looked up because he took Accutane as a teenager. And he was, he was looking up his detox symptoms and he looked on the Accutane side effects and he was, he was like having side effects of Accutane as he's going through the detox. Well, and, I know I have liver stuff going on. Oh, well, there's, yeah. there's a lot to it, but there's a lot of liver related. And I've seen this with a lot of clients. This, this, the, the main thing that the vitamin A affects is the liver. That's the bathtub, right? So the bathtub overflows, the liver gets screwed up first, then everything else comes. So... Um, there would be, yeah, medications, no vitamin A in medications. And if you've, if you've had for, for how do, how do people tell if they have vitamin A toxicity? Like if you've ever had orange hands or feet from like eating too many carrots or carrot juice or red palm oil or whatever, you have some degree of vitamin A toxicity. If you took vitamin A, uh, based medications, retin-A, Accutane, you probably have some level of vitamin A toxicity. If you have a chronic health issue, especially that you think is tied to the liver, you probably have vitamin A toxicity. We're doing blood tests now. We're shooting for getting people to the, the children's level of vitamin A, which is when, funny thing, kids are usually lean and not having a lot of health problems, right? Vitamin A toxicity is an accumulative disease. It, comes, it gets worse the longer it goes. So, oh, so there was, the, there was that. So I would never do multis. Multivitamins are just... There are so many problems with multivitamins between folate and the, the copper and the, the, the vitamin A and the iron and oh my God, it's just. What about juicing now? I mean, that makes oh me God. scared for people that are doing a ton of juicing. <laughs> if, if, I, I had a guy, I had a guy who was telling me, I was talking to him about when his vitamin A problems probably started and he was like, well, I was a vegan. <laughs> I, was, wow. I was juicing. Well, that, well, we'll get into that. I was juicing no. tons of carrots. So let me go over into the research that I've got now as to why that was a problem. I'm not going to say outright veganism is bad. I'm going to say, here's how the vitamin A toxicity developed. So I just, I just saved a study today about how if you do not have enough protein, you'll get vitamin A toxicity. So that's, that's quite possible on a vegan diet. It's quite possible. Not saying it's guaranteed, but it's quite possible. Then zinc deficiency. Well, since the highest zinc foods are generally animal proteins, yeah. it's going to be really difficult to get enough zinc on a, a vegan diet unless you're just eating pumpkin seeds all day long, right? And then we have, um, what was the last one? Oh, the carrot juice. Obviously, he had too much carrots coming in. And he told me his hands and feet got orange. So we have an, a massive influx of, of carotenoids, vitamin A. We don't have the nutrition we need to fight it. And that's when all his health problems started. I, I knew another guy, he took Accutane as a teenager and he lived, his family had an orange farm. Hmm. And he said he used to just go out in the orange field and just eat oranges all day. 
like orange, red, yellow, these are the worst colors for it. So, so there would be multivitamins, there'd be any supplement with that stuff in it, fortified foods. So like any a lot of greens, cereals. So, yeah, cereal. I mean, I'm still like, I'm still working on this in my household with my wife and our kids. I'm like, stop buying the freaking cereal. Like, stop. <laughs> it's fortified. I mean, but that's the only thing all day that my kids are getting that's really noticeably high in vitamin A. So it, really, when I look at it, I go in terms of the sum game of it. Yeah. Like my boy used to have eczema, which is a totally vitamin A related problem, vitamin A toxicity related problem. My boy doesn't have eczema anymore. Like, and we don't, we don't notice it. It doesn't happen anymore. And he may actually be, we may actually be watching some of his anaphylactic allergies fading away. I'm waiting for testing. I have early testing that shows good results here. And I'm waiting for confirmation testing to see if this is, I mean, I, I can, I have the studies that shows that vitamin A increases histamine. Like it's everywhere. So, but yeah, so cereals, dairy, if people, you know, people are like, but I use almond milk or rice milk. No, they, they fortify those too. Sure. I mean, you um, can, and people can just look at the labels and see the percentage vitamin A uh, percentage oh. of the recommended daily allowance, right? <laughs> you want to you wanna talk about the, the one of the dipping our toes into the conspiracy around vitamin A is there is stuff out there where they're moving towards removing vitamin A labeling from the nutrition facts label. And you can go in the research and find out, find people saying like vitamin A fortification of foods needs to be reassessed. Like that's a, that's almost a direct quote from one of the papers I have because they're saying this chronic vitamin A toxicity is becoming an issue. It's in the literature, vitamin A toxicity, hypervitaminosis A, just go Googling it. It's all over the place. It's a very real thing. Like this is not made up. This is why when I went out there and I started looking at it, I was like, it was like I was a train heading towards me. I was like, how did I miss all of this? How, how could this have passed by? And one of the reasons it passed by is because vitamin A, typically we call it retinol, mm-hmm. whereas all the studies showing the damaging mm-hmm. stuff is retinoic acid. So you don't look for what the problem is. Um, and your body converts retinol into retinoic acid. And retinoic acid is the oxidized form. And we hear about oxidized things like oxidized iron causes lots of problems in the body. Oxidized copper causes lots of problems in the body. Vitamin A oxidizes into retinoic acid and that's the damage causing stuff. So um, other things that we might, so no fortified foods. Um, Oh my God, the worst foods that seem to cause the biggest problems. A general rule would be the, the foods that have the most vitamin A or carotenoids compared to the least vitamin C. Okay. So a ratio, it's kind of, I'm, I'm working on this, but like the foods that we see cause the biggest problems are often tomatoes, sweet potatoes and carrots. And everybody started eating sweet potatoes, right? Cause of the paleo thing. And you don't want to eat potatoes, white potatoes, cause they're, there's no nutrition and all this stuff. And I, I know so many people who have done paleo and they're like, I just don't feel good on sweet potatoes. Sweet yeah. potatoes wrecked my gut. Like I used to, I used to eat them and I'd basically go to the bathroom very soon afterwards because my body did not want them in there. Some of the worst people that Grant seen, this one guy was, had eaten sweet, he had the worst eczema that Grant had ever seen. Grant thought his was pretty bad, but this guy was worse. This guy had eaten sweet potatoes every day for five years. Mm. The, the mistake that people will get into is they'll say, this can't possibly happen from natural vitamin A or plant-based carotenoids. This can't possibly happen. That would be the biggest mistake ever. This is plant 
warfare. Um, and, and the plants are going to be ahead. It's, it's, like, it's like drug testing in sports, right? The, the drug users are always going to be ahead of the drug testers. The plant toxins are always going to be ahead of the animals because the animals have to adapt. There's no way we'll ever get ahead of the plants. The plants will come out with something new first. So are we adapting to it? Yes. Can we deal with it? Yes. Are, have people eaten these foods in the past with less issues? Yes. Oh, here's the, here's the kicker. One of the biggest things that increases the conversion of retinol to retinoic acid, the damaging stuff in the body, glyphosate, a.k.a. Roundup, right? Right. They just lost a huge lawsuit for oh, yeah. carcinogen in California and organochlorine pesticides. So basically pesticides also increase vitamin A in the body. So eating organic of foods that are low in carotenoids or vitamin A would be a very good way to go. Um, awesome. So, so yeah, so those, those are like some of the biggest things. Um, oh, birth control pills increase vitamin A in the system. And I, I mean, how many p women do we know who have did birth control and their health is like forever worse after that? So if you're a woman listening to this and you, you did birth controls and your health was never quite the same, especially your hormones after that, it's probably due to vitamin A toxicity. Hormone problems a lot of times are by how the liver processes the hormones. Um, Man, that's crazy. So that just, I mean, it's just opening a whole, whole new element to clinical nutrition. So Garrett, we're going to wrap it up, but dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I know, it, it doesn't end. <laughs> Well, you know, you're so passionate about all of this stuff and you do a really great job explaining it and you've obviously done your homework. Um, and so I'm really appreciative of you for that. I continue to learn so much from you. And so just, you know, taking it one step further from the hair tissue mineral analysis and, and um, how much value that has. And now the addition of the uh, vitamin A toxicity. And so I think that really gives our listeners a, another layer to help them better understand what could potentially be going on with them. Because, you know, as we always talk about on the show, I mean, it's, it's not, God, we're just, we're just scratching the surface as far as our understanding of human nutrition. Um, well, let me, let me, let me add something here. So the idea, so just imagine if everyone was being slowly, chronically, insidiously poisoned. And a lot of what we thought about, a lot of what we based our nutrition knowledge on was us trying to, in various ways, counteract the poisoning, whether it's through nutrition, whether it's through herbs, whether it's through whatever. What if we simply, what if all we did was take out the poison? Right. That, that stands all of, like... And then, then people start going, I don't know how all these people in these, in these supposedly, you know, poor countries, how can they do so well on rice and beans mostly? It doesn't make any sense. Don't they need more of this vitamin and this vitamin and this vitamin and right. this mineral and this? And then you go, that's a low vitamin A diet. What if they simply don't need as much of everything else if they're not being poisoned? This is the mind blow right there. If we go, how much of the nutrition that we've all been taught, that I learned, that everybody else has learned, is simply to counteract the insidious poisoning that's been going on? 
You know, that's yep. crazy. That's crazy, man. That just gets the wheels turning. And, and <laughs> I, you know, I'm friends with so many different practitioners that subscribe to so many different nutritional methodologies. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always fascinated with the fact that so many people can respond so well to so many different things. Yes. Uh, and it just makes me wonder if the, you know, if the the main ingredient to success is in fact um, elimination of of those certain foods and food products and chemical products and let stuff me, let like that. Let me give you one more thought experiment before we go. So there's, have you heard of the carnivore diet? Well, that's what I was, dude, that's right. what I was thinking about. That's what I was going to bring up, but I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. No, no, let's, let's, do, let's, do, let's do both. We're, we're going to hit both sides. Don't worry. So think about the carnivore diet, but I'm talking about the version where people are doing ribeyes, very fatty ribeyes, basically very fatty steaks yes. and water. Right. And they are seeing their autoimmune issues go away. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Well, they they feel amazing as long as they stay on the path. If they, if, if you start reading about these folks, if they venture off of it, they're a disaster. That is not resilience. In my opinion, that is, that is walking a tightrope. They're staying on the tightrope and they feel good when they're on the tightrope, but as soon as they fall off, it's a disaster. So, so, but, but a a ribeye and water diet is a low vitamin A diet. Exactly. Autoimmune issues are going away and they feel good. And, and people would look at ribeyes and water and say, there's not enough nutrition there. They're not getting this nutrient or this nutrient or whatever. They're not getting vitamin C. That's a whole other mind blow. Um, so, okay, so we have that. So then if you wanted to, go Google the potato diet. And there are people out there who are going a year or more on just about, their, their, their dish is potatoes. They might add some toppings to it but their dish is potatoes like every day, all day. And they are losing tons of weight and they feel great and their energy is good. I'm going to tell you that a white potato diet, white potatoes, not yellow potatoes, not purple potatoes, white potato diet is an extremely low vitamin A diet. Okay. Then we have the rice and beans folks. I mean, I don't know. People look at like, you know, third world, quote unquote, third world countries. And, and that is, it boggled, it used to boggle my mind. I'd be like, how are these people doing okay on rice and beans? Like think of all the countries that have better longevity than the U S and how many of those countries are rice and bean countries. So what, what is there with that? And then we get into, if you wanted to Google Kempner rice diet, Kempner was a physician who was putting diabetics on a, it was like a 90% white rice diet. They could have some fruit and fruit juice and white sugar, and he gave him a little bit of a multi, which he, he did have 5,000 units of vitamin A in the multi. So yes, there was some vitamin A in there. I think he would have made more progress if he didn't put it in there. Mm-hmm. But they were seeing diabetic retinopathy, like the eye changes go away. They were seeing all, they were, the weight loss was happening. These people could eat as much white rice and as much sugar and fruit and fruit juice as they wanted, and they would lose weight, and their diabetic problems were going away. How in the world does modern nutrition explain that? Just go Google Kempner rice diet. There's, there, the research is out there. So now we've got an all meat diet. We've got an all potato diet, which potatoes are, uh, according to modern nutrition, potatoes are just the worst thing you could eat, right? <laughs> right. Um, we have an all rice, fruit juice, fruit, sugar diet, and we have rice and beans. 
and we go, and then there's the keto people. And I bet the keto people who have had a lot of success, if they were to look at their keto diet and they were to say, they, they might either be like a high pork, lard fat, high pork fat, lard person, and they didn't make the progress they wanted, or they might've been mostly just meat and beef and, oh, and, and the coconut oil will screw up the ketogenic diet too. Coconut oil, for whatever reason, this is an anecdotal observational thing. Coconut oil messes up the vitamin A thing. We don't know how yet. We suspect palmitic acid because coconut oil is extremely high in palmitic acid as one of the fatty acids, but we don't know yet. We just know that it aggravates the whole dang problem. So then you think about, oh, the coconut oil fad and the bacon fad and the spicy food fad, and you watch America's health just going down the tubes. It's all connected. So when I bet people who are listening to this, if they were to look at when they were eat, when they were feeling good and, and the weight they wanted to be and all that stuff, if they were to look at their diet and then compare it to when the, over the years as to what happened and what, where they're at now, and if they're not in the place they want to be at now, there's probably changes that they might be able to pinpoint as to what happened. Here's one last thing. I'll, I'll drop it after this. Right. Kids. Kids hate vegetables. Why? Why would nature do that to them? <laughs> Kids like white, starchy stuff. Does white, starchy stuff kind of sound like rice and um, potatoes. potatoes? Why would kids hate vegetables and, and, and a lot of fruits and like white, starchy stuff? If we assume that kids are closer to their instinct than adults are, because adults have, we've thought our way out of our instinct, right? Why are kids' instincts like that? It all fits. So that's, that's the last thing. So, so there's all sorts of diets that work for people. That's, this is why everybody's so confused, right? There's, yeah, not totally. one, there's not one human diet. Humans can survive and thrive on all sorts of diets, except for one that has too much carotenoids or vitamin A, or however else it's coming in. So. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And there's so much to think about, but your, your perspective is a really good one. And, um, we're, you know, we're very resilient, uh, human beings, but. Oh yeah. You know, it's so anyways, with this though. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's great. Um, so with that said, Dr. Garrett, um, I'm assuming if people can reach out to you and get more information about how to, as you said, detoxify from from vitamin A and, and how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so so my um my website is nutritionrestored with a D at the end dot com. Um my my Facebook, if you were to do Facebook.com slash doctor as teacher is as how you can find my uh I've been posting stuff on there for years. Um my Facebook notes on there is is my my treasure trove. I'm gonna be doing a lot more stuff on my website soon in terms of presenting all this crazy amount of research that that is all sitting right there for everybody to look at um so my office number 520-577-6888 and then uh yeah people can also just email julie my my super awesome office manager at admin at nutritionrestored.com and then yeah that's that's basically we're awesome, just, man. It's, it's just me doing my thing in a little office here in Tucson, but uh, 
it's it's what I was made to do. So yeah, that's obvious, and you just a, a wealth of information, and you're obviously getting great results with people, which, in my opinion, is all that really matters at the end of the day. And so you keep doing you, buddy. Um, I appreciate <laughs> how you you're going against the grain, and you're not subscribing to um, what everyone else is preaching, but you're 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 leading you're you're leading by example and by what you're seeing as what works with people through logical thought processes and intuition and of course the research. And so I, again, I have a tremendous amount of respect for what you're doing and continue to do and the people that you're helping, which is ultimately what we're all trying to do. And so Dr. Garrett, thanks a lot, brother. It's always Absolutely. great catching up and um, we'll do it again. Absolutely. Take Thank care, you. brother. You Bye. too. Did you love this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show? Then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a positive rating and review. And more importantly, share this with other men that you know are dedicated to leveling up in every area of their life by learning how to live healthier, more energetic, and productive lives so that they can optimize their health for their family and future. Thank you for listening. And if you want to find out more about how you can work directly with Ben, then just head on over to www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up.